Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Next Sunday is our last Sunday here at the school. Okay. We will then start meeting at the Genesis building. We are getting it ready. Not next Sunday, but the following Sunday, the first Sunday in November, we are going to meet at the new facility at the Genesis building and a new time. What time are we going to meet? 10 o'clock. Okay, 10 o'clock at the Genesis building in November. Okay, so letting you guys all know about that. And we are excited about some of the things that we want to do at the new building. Yes. All right. Yeah, that's going to be. F- so we gain an hour though, right? We, so, all right, we'll be rested. So 10 o'clock will be no problem. It'll be like 11 o'clock for you guys. It'll sink right in there. Thanks, man. That's a good job. So anyway, all these things are going to be taking place, uh, happening. So lots going on. Just wanted to make you guys aware of that. Also, we are so grateful to have uh, Colleen here with us. Thank And continue praying for her and the treatment. How many more uh, treatments do you have, the chemo? Five more treatments for the chemo. And again, be praying for my mom. Uh, She finished the radiation, and she's going to be going for more treatments there. And so we are grateful to have you here. Eileen is back from her surgery. So again, just don't hug her too hard. Her neck is still a little stiff. Um, But grateful to have you guys with us and continued prayers for the people who you know are ailing and are not with us because of that. A lot going on, a lot going on, and I'm excited about what's happening. You know, our desire is to be a part of our community in a tangible way. And and as we start taking these steps, it's exciting to see more and more people get involved with some of the things that are going on. With that, I'm going to have Ben come up and share some scriptures, and then uh, Preston after that on what we're going to be talking about today. I'm going to be reading out of uh, Mark chapter 8, verses uh, 16 to 26 in the ESV. If you have your Bible app or your Bible, open it up, follow along. They began discussing with one one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000? How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? 
And they said to him, Seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man, and they begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. When he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people, but they're like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. John 9, 1 through 7. As he passed, he saw a blind man from birth, blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus answered, It was not this man who has sinned or his parents, but that the works of God may be displayed in him. We must work for the works of him who sent me. While it is day, night is coming, when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and he made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud and he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Shalom, which means sent. So he went and washed, and he came back seeing. Thank you, guys. Well, we are continuing our series, Woven in Gospel. And this morning, I'm going to talk to you about CSI, the TV show, grilled cheese sandwiches, physical rehab, going the extra mile, and wearing glasses. A little bit of review as we've been going through this series. Remember, we are looking at how John, years after the other Gospels were written, is giving us spiritual insight and a little bit more depth into all the things that were written. Uh, Important to review some of the terms that Jesus has used, right? First, there is the living water that he offered to the Samaritan woman in chapter 4. He also offered it to everyone in the temple in John chapter 7. Next, Jesus said, I am the bread of, the li- a bread of life in chapter 6. And more recently, he said, I am the light of the world. And he promised to those who followed him the light of life in John chapter 8. Now, these terms that he uses are very familiar to the Hebrew people in their mind. Even in Psalm 36, Verse 7, it says, How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light do we see light. Very interesting terminology. In your light we see light. This is not merely... Uh, metaphorical poetry, it's very mystical in what it's presenting because there's something in it that is to be uncovered, is to be revealed. And it describes seeing light within light. Last week we learned about light, the things that are invisible to the human eyes. A, A light shines in the darkness as well as in the night. We see in Psalm 139, verses 11 through 12, this idea, and that God lights things up for us. 
You know, if you've seen the program CSI, you know that when they go into a murder scene, they put that luminol stuff on there and they can see where the criminal has tried to wash the blood out with the bleach, right? And even though you can't see it with the human eye when they put that, you know, nightlight thing on there, it's all smeared all over the place, right? Or the ID channel. My wife had to stop watching that because she started thinking I was going to kill her somewhere, you know? (laughs) She literally tell me, if you're going to kill me, just go, right? You don't have to kill me. You could just leave. Like, what's that coming from? And then she's watching a marathon of the ID channel with my daughter or something. And it's like, I... anyway, that helps you uncover what you can't see naturally, right? There's something there. And John is shining this slide on the Synoptic Gospels to help us see more from them as the years have passed and he's reflected on what was written, more that is there that needs to be told, more that needs to be seen. And even with this light, we can still be blind. We're not seeing, we're not learning. We can be stuck in an ineffective state. We can become stagnant. And God's light enables us to see what's invisible, what we don't recognize, what needs to take place, maybe within our lives, something that has to happen. And in chapter 9, as he starts off with this blind man, I like to think that it starts with me. I like to think that I'm the person who's blind, who needs sight. I don't like to to come at scripture as I'm the good guy, right? When you hear and read the stories, you know, of David and Goliath, you always want to be David, but maybe you're not. Maybe you identify more with what's really needing to take place in a person. And so I like to start off seeing myself as that blind man. Jesus heals him, but because it's the Sabbath, The healing created some ruckus, right? The man gets up and he starts walking and they see him carrying the mat and you're not supposed to do that on the Sabbath. And so they go to him. And first there's that stir among the crowd in the temple. Hey, isn't that the blind guy? Yeah, that's him. Well, what's he doing standing up and walking? I don't know. All of a sudden he can see. And then the Pharisees come in. They go, hey, what are you doing carrying your mat? Don't you know it's the Sabbath? You're not supposed to do that. And he goes, well, there was this guy. He opened my eyes and now I can see. So the Pharisees have to investigate what's going on about this. So they call the man's parents. And they say, is this your son? Yes, that's our son. Was he born blind? Yes, he was born blind. How can he see? He's old enough. You ask him. We don't know. We know he was our son. We know he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see. But he's of age, so you ask him. The parents are intimidated by the Pharisees and their status and their power and so they back off even though their son is now able to see and already we start to see a blindness that's starting to cover the hearts of people oh my gosh your son has been blind for his entire life and he can see what a time to celebrate what a time to be able to rejoice and instead you have to fear for your status there's a blindness taking place that they aren't aware of that's going on. And so then the Pharisees call the blind man back. 
Okay. We know that this Jesus who healed you, we know that he's a sinner. So tell us how it is that you can see. And they accuse him once again. He's interrogated. And the story plays out and reveals deeper and deeper truths that we've seen that John does. And it starts to tell a story. Now, remember, John's gospel doesn't have any parables in it. All those stories we have in Matthew and the other gospels. But what John does is the story of this blind beggar becomes a real life parable. It becomes an example. It's telling the story. It's revealing a truth and we get to see it happening in the story. And there's something going on that's taking place, that's happening in between all the lines that are here. Now, in Mark's gospel that Ben read, it, it starts off with a man being healed who couldn't see. And Jesus spits on the guy's eyes And there's only three instances where Jesus used saliva to heal. Thank God. I would hate for that to be always the case. And who knows what we would do with that, right? (laughs) We'd have spitting ceremonies. It would just be, uh, anyway, that's where my mind goes. Sorry, I just took you all there. There's three instances where he uses saliva to bring healing. Two are in Mark and then this one here in John. The, the first one that Ben read is the man has his eyes healed. The second one is later on in Mark where Jesus uses saliva and heals a man who is deaf and mute. And in between the man who is blind and the man who is deaf and mute, Jesus tells his disciples, how is it? You have eyes, but you don't see. Having ears, you do not hear. Right? These two stories frame what's important. You know, if you are going to have a good grilled cheese sandwich, it's all about, of course, the bread, but you got to have the cheese. And that's why they have, you know, three cheese or five cheese, grilled cheeses. The more cheese, the better, right? You just want to break it apart and there's just cheese everywhere. You see, there's something happening in the middle that's so important. Between these two stories, Jesus is conveying something. And Mark does a beautiful job at putting this picture together. How, How is it? You have eyes, but you don't see. You have ears, but you don't hear. There's literal blindness and deafness. And there's also metaphorical and spiritual blindness and deafness. And we are being led into a story that it's going to help us to see that kind of blindness, to be aware of that kind of deafness. And this story is playing out so that we have this interesting step in it. Now, when we see in John's gospel 
this other place where saliva is used, we can see that there's a connection. It's not the same story as we would count the same story. It's another story, but we see the connection with the saliva. There's definitely other things that are in there. There's other interesting details, right, regarding the blind man in Mark. It's the only place where healing took place in stages, right? First, he spits in his eyes and he says, do you see? And the guy says, I see, you know, men walking around like trees, and then he touches them again and sight is restored. And we see this progress taking place. And in John, the spiritual enlightenment of the blind man also occurs in stages. And that's kind of how rehabilitation works, right? It's stages. It doesn't start all of a sudden you just, you know, do something and it's better. Denise just showed me a video of a young man who was injured diving and he was going to be, they said, quadriplegic and have to live on a respirator. And she showed a video of him now walking and kneeling and standing up and moving. And it started off with some of the videos that they have on Facebook of him just sitting up, right? He couldn't get to this point. It started off with strengthening some of that core so that he could be able to do this, so that he can be able to do more. There's stages that take place even in our spiritual development. We don't all of a sudden, you know, say a prayer and all of a sudden we've got all this wisdom and knowledge and how to do things. No, if you were messed up before you said a prayer, you're probably still messed up afterwards. You just got a prayer in your wings, right? I mean, the It's kind of how things happen. At least it was with me, right? I had a lot of bad habits and I became a follower of Jesus and they didn't all go away. In fact, some of them I didn't even know were bad habits. I just kept doing them because I thought this is how everyone lives, right? No, wrong. You start to develop. You start to grow. And first we see that this man, as he's, Given sight, he refers to Jesus as the man called Jesus in verse 11. And later on, he refers to him as a prophet in verse 17. Then he decided that Jesus was from God in verse 33. And finally, he came to believe in Jesus, the son of man in verses 35 to 38. And so just like the blind man in Mark who had a progression and saw better, this man is actually seeing better, not physically, but spiritually. And that challenges us because there's still more that needs to be seen. There's more that I need to be able to see. And sometimes I am blind without even recognizing it. And that kind of plays out in the story as it goes on, right? Jesus starts this ruckus by healing a man. And it all began with a question. The disciples asked him, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And I wonder what stirred the question. The blind man was there. I wonder if Jesus was looking at him and they saw Jesus looking at him. And much like us, when we see a situation, we see a person who's homeless or we see a person who's in a wheelchair or struggling in some way physically, we look at them. And if you look at it long enough, you wonder, oh, I wonder how they became homeless. I wonder what happened so that they're in that state. 
Jesus is looking and they feel like, well, we got to say something and say, oh, and it's almost like a shot in the dark. Hey, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? They ask the question about guilt and blame. And it's easy to see how this could be a problem, right? If his parents sinned, then the punishment, that's unfair, isn't it? And it's really interesting because in the Old Testament, at least in Deuteronomy and some of the books of the law, the early books, we see that there's this kind of generational thing, right? Well, it'll be a curse upon you and your children's children. But then later when you get to the prophets, the prophets say, you know what? It's on you. It ain't on the kids, kids, kids. There's almost this evolution of understanding the responsibility and the blame falls on this person. But there's still this ideology of like, okay, we see a problem. What's going on? Why is it there? And they're wanting to to find the cause to the problem that's there. If it's the parents, you know, well, poor guy, you know, he had to suffer for them. And if it's him, when did it happen? Because he was born, you know, this way that happened, you know, in utero, you know, that seems like a strange idea, although some pregnant moms might think that their kids are sinning and kicking against their bladder sometimes, right? It's like, what's going on here? Did he sin in the womb? And to them, it was a legitimate question. They're trying to find out what's going on and what's happening is actually it's revealing their blindness to the situation. There had to be some blame. There had to be something that determined what this, why this was here, and they had to find a reason to blame it. And this was also a blindness that was endemic to their culture. They applied a rule of cause and effect to sin and suffering. The reason you're like this is because of this. Right? Now, whose voice from the Old Testament, because Jesus says neither this man nor his parents sinned. This is, born, this is happening because God is doing something. And he's going to reveal his glory through the healing that Jesus is going to bring. Whose voice in the Old Testament most resonates with Jesus? There's someone in the Old Testament that sounds a lot like Jesus. Any guesses? John the Baptist. Well, that's kind of New Testament still. Old Testament. Who? Isaiah. Okay. It's definitely not Abraham, right? Abraham was blessed by God. It's definitely not Moses. You go through Deuteronomy and the blessings and the cursings, and it's like, oh, there's half a page on blessings and page and half on cursing. It really sounds like Job. When his friends came and accused him, what did you do, Job, that this has befallen upon you. And he's saying, I didn't do anything. This isn't my doing. The unjust condition I'm having isn't because I did something wrong. This is not my fault. Job had once lived and thrived in the blindness of his culture until everything fell apart. That was his eye-opener. He became a spokesperson for everyone who suffers. Now, obviously, sin has consequences, but it's 
more like when you go through a stop sign, right, and you get pulled over. It's not just, how could this happen to me? I don't deserve something. You know, you went through the stop sign and you're getting a ticket. But this isn't that. Those kinds of things are understandable, right? Getting a ticket, there's no guesswork of guilt or blame like we're seeing here. The disciples needed to be less concerned about cause and more interested in cure. They wanted to find out what's going on, and Jesus is saying, this is what needs to happen. We need to remedy the situation. Of course, they couldn't, but Jesus could. And for us of this chapter, it seems that blindness is just contagious. It just kinds of show up. First, the crowd, you know, the man's up. Is this not the blind man? No, I don't think it's him. It looks like him, but I don't think it's him because how can it be him, right? He was blind. We see that. We, we see that, you know, they can't even trust their own eyes. Then there was the blindness of the Pharisees, right? Regarding Jesus, they said, this man is not from God. He can't have done this. He's not from God, regardless of, of what Jesus, you know, says or does. It can't be from God. Everything pointed to a miracle and the uniqueness of Jesus, yet they persist in their blindness. And then even the parents, right? The man's parents, I don't want any problems here. He's an adult. They're blind to what God is doing and they back out of it. The only one who actually is beginning to see the light of Jesus was the man who actually saw light for the first time. He's the only one who actually is understanding what is going on. And he becomes, or he comes so far that he even starts to sound like Jesus when he's talking to the Pharisees in verses 32 and 33. He says, never Since the world began, has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind? If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. That's what Jesus said. If it wasn't for my father, I could do nothing. So this man starts to actually emulate Jesus. The man who was blind and opened his eyes is now opening up and seeing spiritually as well. And he starts to resonate the truth of who Christ is to the Pharisees, to his parents, to the people who are around. And then what I love is what happens next is this man is banished. That's not the part I love. But Jesus searches for him. You know, Jesus talked about going the extra mile. But he didn't just talk about it. He did it. This man is kicked out of the synagogue. That means he can't be a part of corporate worship, which is why his parents were so afraid. He is banished from the temple. All he did was get healed. All he did was have his eyes opened and tell the truth And then he's banished and Jesus goes and finds him. I love that about Jesus. 
One of the many things I love about Jesus is he goes and searches for the person who's been set aside, who's been outcast, and it did nothing wrong. It's just part of the beauty of who Jesus is. He heard that he had been healed and tossed out of the synagogue or heard that the man who had been healed was tossed out. And being blind, he had lived on the outskirts of society And now with the opportunity to join in, he's kicked out again. And that is what he got for his integrity. That's what he got for telling the truth. He couldn't deny what had happened to him. Right? They tell him, tell us. We know this man is a sinner. Speaking of Jesus, how are you healed? And he says, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, that I was blind, now I see. Verse 25, a powerful verse. All I know. And then he's banished for that. And then Jesus went looking for him, found him somewhere outside the temple. Remember where Jesus took the blind man in Mark? Outside, where he was by himself. And we start to see Jesus wanted to complete this healing by giving him more enlightenment. Some of the Pharisees overheard what Jesus had said to the blind man. He said, are we also blind? And Jesus said to him, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say we see and your guilt remains. Verses 40 and 41. Imagine you're at Sprout's or your favorite shopping center. And all of a sudden, you feel the shopping cart ram into your Achilles tendon, right? And it just, you start to get enraged because, oh, that hurt. And come on. And you spin around to let someone have it. And you see a man and he's got dark glasses on and a cane. Changes everything. You didn't know. If it was a 10-year-old kid, that'd be a different story, right? (laughs) See, one can see. One's blind to what's going on. You say you can see, you're responsible. You're responsible for these things, right? And as Jesus is talking to this man, right, and, and having this conversation, when and how did he see when this happened, and in verse 24, when they said, we know that this man is a sinner, in verse 28, when they said, we know that God has spoken to Moses, they are putting themselves in a place where they actually can't see. And when Jesus goes to the man and he asks him, do you believe in the son of man? And he says, I'm not sure who it is. And Jesus says, it's him that speaks to you. And he says, I believe Now, he hadn't seen Jesus. He had to go and clean his eyes. Maybe he recognized his voice. Maybe it started to dawn on him with all the commotion that was going on. And as Jesus comes to him, he goes, do you believe? And it's like, okay, I've been blind my entire life. A man opens my eyes and no one rejoices with me. No one celebrates what's happened. I get ridiculed because I'm not doing things the right way. 
I'm not following their laws. I'm not fitting their mold. I'm not doing things the way they say I should. And I'm banished. And as I'm being banished, there's someone who comes up to me and receives me and wants to know, do you believe in the Son of Man? The only one who receives me is the one who brought healing to me. The only one who's able to restore me completely is the one who is able to restore me to begin with. And I wonder so many times in our desire to find God, we've been blindsided by people in their good intentions have put these roadblocks saying, well, no, 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 you can't do it that way. Oh, no, no, no. The the things say like this. We know this man is a sinner. We know Moses says this. We know the scripture says this. And they have their Bible verses and they have it all plotted out. I have been wrong so many times that I am hesitant to be so rigid that I can't see better. I don't want to be in a place where my dogma stops me from being compassionate, from being loving. But that's the way it is. That's the way I read it. That's the way I understand it. We know Moses said this, this man's a sinner. No, this can't happen. And here's Jesus saying, do you believe in the man says, you know what? You're the only thing that rings true. You're the only thing that my heart can embrace and resonate with. Everything else is blind. Everything else, I just, it's like being deaf. It doesn't resonate. There's a danger in trusting too much in our dogma, thinking you know, you reject evidence that is right in front of you. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus said, Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part of dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays, gives you light. Now, the eye refers to sight and body refers to the whole person. And what we typically mean by healthy is a person who is whole physically as well as mentally, as well as spiritually. But Jesus is referring to where we direct our attention, how we see things. In Psalm 119, 37, it says, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Having the right perspective so that you are able to see. I remember when I realized that I needed glasses. It was at a wedding that I was officiating. And the church where it was at was a little dimly lit. lit. And my notes were written or printed out on a a page inside my Bible, which wasn't very big. And I opened it up and I couldn't read a thing. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I kept moving my arms further and further away. And pretty soon I'm standing like this trying to go, okay, you know, do you 
take so-and-so to be, and I'm trying to go through these things, and I realized, you know what, I, I think I need glasses. And it was the ability to see that I couldn't see that allowed me to make the changes that would help me to see. See, I had to be aware of something, give the attention to what was needed. Oh, these lights are bad in this church. They ought to fix these lights. What's wrong with them? It's not the lights, buddy. It's your eyes. See, it'd be easy to look at the wrong things, focus on the wrong things, give my attention to the wrong things. But when I give my attention to the right things, then I'm going to actually step into better health. What do I give the majority of my attention to? What do I allow to enter my eyes, my mind, my heart, my body? The Pharisees remind us that blindness can be willful. But we also learn that sight can be improved. We need to exercise to improve our spiritual sight. We have to give ourselves to these things. And we need to recognize that when we are willing to see that Jesus is willing to take us by the hand, lead us to the place we need to go, and give us the healing that we need. And it will be in stages. It might start off where it just, what's going on? I, I see things cloudy. Yeah, it was a man named Jesus. I have this understanding. And then it might bring more clarity. Yeah, this man is from God. And it's leading us to the place where we understand that I know who he is. And now I can actually represent him. And I can speak. Why? Because he spoke to me and I heard. He opened my eyes and I see clearly. And that's the invitation. That's what Jesus is wanting to do. Lead us to more clarity. Lead us into more understanding. Help us to understand what's important so that we give our lives to the right things. Give our lives to him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that I too am like this blind man that has received your grace. That my blindness is able to be healed. And Lord, may we recognize the need for healing. May we recognize, Father, that there is a blindness that is more than physical. There's a blindness that can take hold of our minds and and our attitudes. May we not be so blind 
that we refuse to see. And I pray, God, that as you illuminate to us who you truly are, that we would then be able to represent you more accurately. And once again, Lord, in this story, we see that you are gracious, that you go the extra mile, that you care for the least of these. May we do likewise. And give us wisdom, Lord, to navigate through the complexities of life and and finding out what is right things to do for people and even for ourselves. God, may we find ourselves trusting and leaning on you more and more. And may we find our eyes as we do so more clearly able to see. Thank you for being so patient. Thank you for being so faithful so good in spite of what has happened you offer sight you offer healing we thank you and we ask this in Jesus name amen let's stand together may your pride not be so strong that you can't see your blindness and may you take the hand of Jesus Allow him to lead you into the light so that you can see indeed. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. Next week, our last Sunday here. God bless you guys again. Thank you for being here. You have been listening to the Genesis podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.